If Headley was a llama, he'd be our spitting pet show sponsor. He'll throw hamsters at our enemies and protect us from the monsters. Headley. It's your stupid trick lights out of my face. I'm trying to read my notes. <laughs> Go away, shoe. Shoe. Okay, that's better. <laughs> Pass, girl. Yes, Boogie. Oh my God! <laughs> Am I feeling ornery and sexy in the same moment? You feeling ornery? Ornery and sexy, like oh. that grumpy sexy where you just want to bend someone over and fuck them and tell them to shut up if they say anything. Ah, angry sex, yeah, yeah, kind of a CNC thing, pretty much. Ooh. You really should negotiate that kind of sex. <laughs> I used to do that to Mew. It was glorious. Which I have some uh, reports about Mew, so let's just jump into the show, and then I'll give you said reports. Yes. The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it, please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four! Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. Perverted Podcast. Hello, as I bend you over a table and fuck you. Hello, and welcome to Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the human mind. Recording on Zenscaster from thousands of miles apart, I'm your co-hostess with the mostest, Path Girl. And I am Count Boogie, and would you believe, would you believe from far, far, thousands of miles away, once again, Mew has established her Mewness. Ooh. I'm booking, like, she's coming out for a vacation. First off, hi, Path Girl. How are you doing? Everything great? I'm doing well. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. Let me tell you about this little, yes. this little so-and-so has the audacity to pull that crap. So, like, she's coming out on a vacation, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I want to at least, you know, can we spend a night together? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, you know, my car's not really. <laughs> no, not there. So I'm like, look, I'm going to book a, you know, I'll get a room. And I couldn't find a hotel room because they were all crap and the reviews were awful. And I got all anxiety and paranoid and fucking whatever. So she's like, why don't you try those Airbnb places? Where someone rents out a room or their house or they have a little guest house. So I started doing that stuff. And then I found like this really cute little place in Burbank, like literally a quarter mile away from where I pretty much lived when I played Pokemon Go in downtown Burbank. And I'm like, that's perfect. And it's a cutesy little place, you know, and and it's, you know, pretty cheap or whatever. And so I got approved for this night. And no sooner did I get approved for our little night is she's like, why don't you go and get me some pussy? <laughs> oh, Mew. Like, I, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, just, just whip, like, I'm just going to whip up some vag. But, but you're so good at getting the pussy. Yeah, I'm good at getting the pussy when I'm not a homeless fucking wreck. I'm literally living like dingy sweatpants. I am like homeless. I'm not in my game. I'm like, I got my, I have no place. I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, oh, sure, pumpkin, start holding your breath now. <laughs> and I'll just walk down the street, all Adonis, me, 
and be like, hey, uh, you interested in touching some vag? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but the owner of the house is really cute. Oh, there you go. So I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, drop that like, hey, you know, why don't you come over and check on everything mm-hmm. around 8 p.m.? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. What have you been doing this? Well, we, you know, you were on last week. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't had uh, any kinky time. I uh, had some sexy time with the new guy last night, which was kind of fun. But we're, uh, I got a slosh tomorrow night, and I'm actually planning a harder than normal scene with him. Um, for me, the dominance I play with, I try to figure out what kind of monster they are in my head. Like, so that way it, it, it's a weird association. Like I've had like one of my doms, I kind of did like a Jekyll and Hyde in my head where he was like this really sweet guy. And then he could be really vicious. Another guy was kind of more primal. So he was wolfy. I'm trying to figure out the new guy, what kind of monster he is in my head. So I said, you know, can we play a little harder, you know, to kind of see what kind of twisted and sick person you can be? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so what you're saying is he might just turn out to be like a Tenta Wolfenstein. Uh, possibly. <laughs> that's a frankenstein werewolf with tentacles i just made that up <laughs> it, it's just you know you know how like you can kind of envision in the corner of your brain like a monster creeping around in the background and you know especially like when it gets quiet in the lab and i'm working like you know i used to have you know the werewolf in the back of my head kind of stalking me and like you know that night i'd be with him or the you know the jekyll and hyde where it's just like oh hey how you doing and then just throw me up against the wall and choke hold me it's like oh yes please so it's it's been hard to try to figure out what kind of monster he is. So I you need to do are a, a disturbed, disturbed little woman. Thank you. That's what you are. I just you're just there. <laughs> is this what people that cut up dead bodies do? They just make up fantasies while they're in the lab and the lights are low and it's creepy already. <laughs> you're well, now you're mo- just to add to that. Just to add to the insanity of cutting up bodies, you're now picturing a werewolf. <laughs> A horny werewolf behind you, ready to slam you against the wall and fur fuck you. Oh, that sounds really amazing. <laughs> That's probably why you're on the show. I just, yes. just, just gotta say, <laughs> I have no, I can't really pretend to bitch at this. That's that is why you are on the show. Yes. Well, I I hope you find his, uh, you know, Tento Tento Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if we have any artists out there in perverted podcast land, I would be very curious to see a Tenta Wolfenstein. <laughs> no, the Wolfenstein. Yeah, I guess a Tenta Werewolf or a Were, Were Tenta. So, fucking figure it out. You know, it's, it's fucking Frank. It's the werewolf and it has tentacles. A Franken Wolfenstein. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A Frank. <laughs> A were Frank puss. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Make us a were Frank puss. Fed life is the place where unicorns play, but then they fuck each other in the ass with their horns because that's the kind of freaky shit that happens on Fed Life. For your peace of mind, please know that the author of every post we talk about has specifically granted us permission to do so. So today. We have a amazing post from the amazing Rain de Grey, who is just oh, oh she is just oh so lovely. We're gonna have a lot of fun with this because this is a let's get into it. Okay, so the post that she put up is called ghosting. <laughs> yeah, here we it have comes. Thoughts. Here, here it, it comes. comes, kids. Okay, 
People love to talk about ghosting. We analyze it, discuss it, are traumatized by it, fixated on it, keep circling back to it. And yes, when someone is in your life and then they're not, when you have been judged and found wanting in some way, it hurts. It can ache down to your very bones. You can run the circumstances through your mind obsessively like a fidget spinner over and over again, trying to make sense of it. Come up with an answer. The core of what we do is consent. The core of complaints about ghosting is the other people not doing what you want personally. People can talk to you and then decide that they don't want to do it anymore. People can play with you, have sex with you, and decide they don't want to do it anymore. People are allowed to do all of these things. We can, of course, think that all these things are wrong, that they shouldn't end a relationship with us, stop being friends with us. We can be free to think those things all we want, but it doesn't matter how hard we think those things of someone else. That's not going to change the behavior into something we want. It's just not. Uh, yes. Now this is a that's a shortened version of the post. We'll put the post up on our on our Fat Life page when we do. But that was enough. Yes, <laughs> that oh, was enough I, to get. I just literally hear like that werewolf bristle on the back of <laughs> necks. Just a motherfucker. Yeah. Just whenever you think of ghosting, it's just that person. And just for those that don't understand the basic who haven't been ghosted it's pretty much when you're doing something with someone and then they just stop talking to you yeah yeah no hey i'm gonna take off hey this didn't work out no fuck off no anything they just stop contact right and when you reach out to them they do not respond mm-hmm. and that term is called ghosting yeah and it is something that that for a lot of people is really, really difficult to navigate. And I really tried to think about that because it's not that difficult for me. Does it hurt? Yes. And the poster talk, you know, goes on to talk about how much it hurts mm-hmm. when you just don't even get the decency of a, hey, go fuck yourself phone call. Because a lot of us want that closure. But I don't get that hurt by it because, you know, I date a lot of uh, different people and and a portion of them just leave. They They're done. And and they go and it hurts. But then I'm like, well, I still have me. So my self-relationship is stronger. But I really try to think of why, because I know people that they're obsessed about this. Yeah. Like they dated someone for like two weeks and then that person just ghosted them. And then Mm -hmm. they're like, still, it's like fucking nine months later and they're still trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Yeah. And it's like that. Why is that? I I really think it's society is turning ghosting into like this form of trauma. I mean, like when we were growing up, people would stop talking to you all the time. And it was just like, okay, they stopped talking to us. But I think it's nowadays it's because we can get to people so much easier with social media and texting. It's almost instantaneous. So if you don't get that instantaneous response, it's like, oh, why aren't they talking to me? Whereas years ago, it was like you could go days without talking to somebody and you never thought anything about it. Yeah, that is kind of true because you you didn't have the ability. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why it's being shoved down our throats that ghosting is like trauma. You know what I mean? I don't know if people remember years ago, there was a book that it, that came out called He's Just Not That Into You. And it was like a self-help book <laughs> about like, yeah, explaining like, you know, why guys aren't into you. Do we really need a book for this? If somebody ghosts you for whatever reason, they're a fucking asshole and just move on. 
Well, that is absolutely one approach to how you deal with ghosting. And it's on my little list of, of things. And another thing, because there are reasons that I can be a little more empathetic about. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean I excuse it. I don't ghost people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my best to let people know how I feel. And if something's not working out, then I have the awkward conversation with them. And I say it's not working out. Um, but some people are, I mean, the first one is we'll take the most negative if they're afraid that you're going to react abusive or aggressively. Right. Like if they don't know, maybe they have triggers from past relationships where they tried to gently, you know, meet with somebody at dinner and break up with them and it was ugly and horrible and they've had some really negative experiences and breakups and they're kind of dealing with their, uh, I don't want to say trauma, but their trauma in, you know, dealing with that. Right. That's understandable. So that is, that is, that is a potential too, that they don't like the reaction, but it's still, if it's not that extreme, then it can be a number of other reasons. You know, they're like we talked about afraid to face your disappointment, pain of rejection, um, believes you won't discharge them from the relationship cleanly, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're, you know, they're going to keep hanging on and like, oh, can, we can make it work. And, you know, like if you're maybe like somebody that just like really doesn't let go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because people like that are annoying as fuck, dude. You know, they want to call you 80 times and go, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, can we just do this? Well, can we just be friends? Can we be friends for a little bit? And that can be to some people really annoying if they're afraid you're going to be that type of person or you've shown signs that you're that type of person. Yeah. A stage uh, five clinger, as they call it. Stage them. five <laughs> clinger. You know, you know, doesn't want or feel the relationship was as important to them as it was to you. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a mistake. Sometimes we build up in our head that this was a really big deal to both of us. And in fact, it was only really a big deal to me. Right. You know, they were just like for play play, you know, they're just like, oh, okay, well, I'm done with this. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of reasons. I think what I'm not eloquently arriving at as a point is there are a lot of reasons why people ghost that are both negative and maybe something you could have a little empathy on. But none of that matters because... They have chosen to not be a part of your closure that you feel you need. And at that point, you have to turn to yourself to become okay with that. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to that relationship with yourself. That comes down to being able to let go of the mystery. Or even like in your case when you're saying, well, that means fuck them. They're an asshole. Why Why do I care what their dumb reason was? They didn't have the decency to say fuck off. Then fuck them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, put like you said, putting out there, and even Rain says in her post, you know, ghosting just flat out sucks. It's hurt. It's it's hurtful. It's it's painful. It's just mean to do. And go like you said, ghosting doesn't allow your closure. And it's just you need to understand that when you get ghosted, it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection, you know, that person's throwing down a boundary and basically saying, I'm done here and walking away. Should they have actually sent that text and said, hey, even if a a simple text of, listen, this isn't working out for me, good luck in whatever you're doing, send, you know, a little something. But it's just, 
you're if if someone's disappearing on you, it doesn't re- reflect on your worth. It reflects on their priorities. Even along with like the book you said, they're just not that into you. That is a real thing. Maybe they do think you're fucking ugly and stupid and your feet smell or whatever. I mean, I've 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 had horrible shallow reasons for not wanting to date people in my younger days. And uh and I lied. Mm-hmm. I lied <laughs> about oh, the reasons that I was leaving and made it it's it's me, I'm crazy, you know, I just not really good. I got to go cuz yeah, I didn't want to tell them the horrible things that I thought about. <laughs> about you them. no. Yeah, yeah. I I've, uh, I've never done that either. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> and whatever, you know, but at least I tried to give them some closure. Yeah. Um but like it says in the post, they can leave. Yeah. There's no law that says they have to do things a certain way. What right. I need to do for myself is to realize that that hurts when people do it to me. And I've had it done recently in some pretty significant ways to some people that were very significant to me that have now ghosted me Mm -hmm. with everything was great. We're having great conversations and then, Oh, well, Oh, and I have my suspicions of why, and there's another person Mm -hmm. involved that doesn't like me or whatever, but, uh, but whatever, I don't, have to have that closure because I can make that for myself. Right. I can say I'm still a valuable person and I'm going to go find the people that find me valuable. Now then, I skipped over this because I think this is probably what I should have said first. Ghosting really hits people with abandonment issues the hardest. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, say, you are the child of a divorced family or you had a parent that actually fucking just left um, or any number of those things, or you have been abandoned in negative ways in your early development, well, of course, you have a lot of stuff to unpack around that. So when somebody ghosts you, that hurts a little differently. Right. Because you have a lot of programming around that. And that may be something you need to deal with so that you can better be prepared to deal with the ghosting. Yeah. And one of the other things I was thinking about, I actually did a little bit of research into, you know, like, like you said, why do people ghost and alternatives to ghosting and stuff? It's just one thing I realized is that when you're sitting there hyper focusing on the person that ghosted you, you're giving away your power. You're letting that person have power over your emotions, power over your sanity, where it's basically you're obsessing over why did they leave? Why did they stop talking to me? Why, why, why? You need to not give them that power. The only power we have in this situation is choosing whether or not to move on. Right. And I think that's important to say because that's something that I think we can all say that we've been, well, maybe not all, but I've been surely guilty of that, where you you're trying to negotiate the what ifs and if they came back or called and how would that work? Because you still had feelings for this person. You still like yeah. them the, depending on how long you were hanging out together. So th- those things are still there, but you do have to get to that point to where you're like, uh, you know, after a week I'm moving on. That's, yeah, you know, I, you pick a, pick a time for yourself. Yeah. 
you have to set that boundary in your head also because there are people that will ghost you for a little while and then pop back in and go, hi, I'm back. And it's like, no, you ghosted me. You know, don't just let people pop, you know, don't get attached to someone and then they drop off and then have them come back in and like nothing's ever happened. That's just yeah. not healthy. Yeah. I mean, and there are people who are vagabonds, you know, relationship vagabonds. And I, I can be like that. Like, cause I don't have a lot of serious relationships and especially now I'm technically single. So, um, I would state up front, Hey, I'm not going to be in this for long. Uh-huh. Like if it was someone I was just playing with, I would, I would say, I'm not going to be here for long. You know, I just, we can play. And then if we don't talk for a month or so, then is that Okay. And then if we, you know, get together and I've had people say that to me, hey, I only come into town a few times a year and I'd like to see you when I come in town. And other than that, I really don't really want to talk to you. Right. Well, maybe not even want to talk to you. You May not even have time. If somebody's from out of town, they may have a busy life or whatever. But at least that person's being upfront and communicating with you or you communicating with them to basically say, look. This is the amount of time I have for you. Is that okay? Yes, great. Let's go have fun. No, all right. I guess, you know, we'll go our separate ways. I think to wrap this up, the best I can do and the best that Path Girl can do is knowing that it hurts when someone ghosts you instead of worrying about analyzing and blah, blah, blah. I just know it hurts. So I need to do what I need to do to not do that to someone else. Exactly. That I need to be willing to face those awkward conversations. I think the main goal is just I need to work on not being that myself. That's what we all need to do. I mean, it's just that's one of the great things about me working so early in the morning. And there's times I'll just send a text message. I'll say, hey, you know, last night was great, but I didn't feel a connection. Good luck in your, you know, in your journey. And that's it. You know, something. Oh, I I felt ripples when we were going to do this because I know some of our listeners are out there going, that motherfucker, that motherfucker, that motherfucker, that motherfucker, that motherfucker. (laughs) But tell us how you really feel, Boogie. (laughs) Well, I'm not talking about me. I'm, you know, I have that for a couple days, you know, and then, Mm. you know, you just move on. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm a good person. Yeah. If someone doesn't want me, if someone doesn't feel I'm valid enough to give me a fucking text and tell me to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. But now you have the time to find somebody who's worth your time. That's right. And apparently I have a lot of time and hopefully I can find some extra pussy too. Path Girl, can you get on a plane? Because uh, Mew, Mew wants some pussy. Oh, I would love to play with Mew. Did would I say you? that out loud? Mew. Oh, yo. You'd have two medical girls in your bed. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture of her when she first got her stethoscope. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Mew. <laughs> Is a zebra labia all covered with stripes? Seek our godly wisdom on some fucking advice. Well, dear goddamn holy mother of whale poop. <laughs> What's the matter, Boogie? <laughs> well, I don't know. I got this thing in the perverted podcast at gmail.com thing today. My Jewish guilt worked, really? The Jewish guilt worked. We Yay! actually have a some fun, and a good one, too. A really good one. Bakura wrote in, because we love Bakura, and, and he, he, he when he hears the guilt trip, he tries to rack his brain. But he actually has a good one 
Okay. Uh, and and he wrote, having been out of the scene and not topped for anyone outside of my regular partner, what are some of the top important questions when negotiating a new flogging scene? Oh, okay. So, you know, not knowing how long it was going to be, because he was talking in his, his email that this was going to be pretty quick. Okay. So I'm like, well, I'm going to give the best answers that I can. And I know he knows what he's doing. He's been doing right. this a long time. But it is true that after a long time of playing with one person, mm -hmm. and I talked about this when I went uh, to the dungeon to play, and just sitting in that negotiation with a brand new person, and I'm like, I right. haven't done a brand new person in two years. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you do need to run through that list. Yeah. So if you're going to do a flogging scene with somebody, I wrote a number of them and then we'll go over them and, and uh, see if we can give Bakura some help okay. to, to get his thing. For, so I, there's three that I think are absolutely at the top. The first three. And number one, do you like anal fisting? <laughs> I don't think you can start off right with that one. No, no, no. That is number one. Number two would be now this is your negotiating with a brand new person flogging scene mm -hmm. is your ass stretched enough to take a big fist because if you don't ask that then you are definitely not going to be able to ask the third question for your beginning flogging scene number three do you think you could take a fisty dick sandwich that's me holding my dick with both hands and putting the whole lot in your bum uh, okay, Boogie, I'm going to have to call Red here because Bakura was asking about flogging. That's a fisty. Oh, oh, young, young path girl. You don't understand negotiation. Let oh, me. Not. I am the expert. The expert. <laughs> we were supposed to give some sort of warning that we're not therapists, but fuck them. I mean, come on, fisty dick sandwich. I invented that, oh. by the way. That's yes. where you take both hands and grip your dick and then shove it in the bum. <laughs> Trademark patent pending. That's right. <laughs> I just invented that. Okay. So after you ask those three questions mm -hmm. and, uh, and you've gotten your answers for that, I would say maybe number four, you could say, how much experience have you had with flogging? Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> Is that one Okay. Yes, that one is appropriate to the scene, yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, something would be like, and if somebody has said they they have had experience, like when I talked to the person I negotiated with at the dungeon that last time I played, mm -hmm. they had said, oh, yeah, I felt this, you know, and then you're like, well, did you like it? Tell me about it. And then they told me a little bit about what their experiences with flogging was. And then the next thing I would I would ask would be like, you know, ask if they like stingy or thuddy sensations. Right. What do you like? Do you like stingy or thuddy? I mostly like stingy, but sometimes I like to start off with thuddy just to get kind of get the blood warmed up. So very, very good. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good thing to start. And then you would go maybe um, like because I know where I like to flog, mm -hmm. and some people like to flog all over. Some people like to flog the boobs, you know, or the chest. Um, some people like to hit people in the junk, some people, you know, so get a feel for where they like, if they've been flogged, where they like to be flogged. Mm -hmm. And, and after you find it, found out about that, then it's like, are you more sensitive in certain areas? 
-hmm. Like some people uh, are very, very sensitive on the back. Like I can barely even touch Mew's back, but I could run from the back of the room and hit her butt as hard as I can. (laughs) So that's important to know because if people Mm -hmm. know they have a sensitive and some people are the opposite. They're like, oh, my butt's really sensitive and don't touch that. But I love it on my back. Right. So that's a good thing. You can interrupt at any point if you got things that you want to ask. I mean, I have okay. a list. Well, I, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going off the fly on this, but for me, one of the first things I normally ask is, or someone will ask me, is like, "What do you want to get out of this scene? Do you want to hit subspace? Do you want to cry? Do you want to just melt into the cross? I mean, what do you want to get out of this scene?" Is is a good thing to ask. Absolutely. Which, funny enough, was my next question. Do you want a cool. sensual scene or would you like to be challenged a bit? What t- which is exactly uh, along that line. Like, let's see right. what they envision in that scene for themselves. And if they don't know, then you kind of know. Like, whenever I hear people, like, if they don't have a basic idea of the kind of thing they've been fantasizing about, I'm always going to pull back. Right. I'm always going to try to ramp up and make it like more of a taster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and even, you know, if somebody has experience, what kind of floggers have you used before? Um, there's a huge difference between an elk flogger and uh, my top doc has got this serrated rubber flogger. So it's extra stingy. So that's kind of one of the finishing floggers he uses on me. So, you know, there's the really thirty ones, the really stingy ones. Um, you know, what, what be, be, you know, besides what you what do you want to get out of this scene? Like, what kind of floggers have you used before? Because something that like a serrated flogger may be too much for somebody. Um, they have the floggers that are made out of, you know, barbed wire. I mean. Yeah, that's that's another thing to think of that we talk about a lot in early negotiation. Mm-hmm. When someone says, oh, I'm a heavy bottom. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, OK. And then you give them a medium whack and they're like, ow, fuck, fuck, red. Yeah. Or they say I'm a light bottom. And then you give them a medium swat and they just kind of look at you and they're like, you know, you can do that a little bit more, right? Yeah, but you're better off doing it that way versus somebody says, oh, I'm a heavy bottom. And you give them a one swack and they're like, oh, red, I need a TM. And that's where you just allow people, you kind of, you know, talk them through that and they let you know at least what they think they are is a good place to start. So uh, final, you know, a couple questions would be, do you have any physical issues that make it hard to stand or lean in certain mm-hmm. ways? I know you have to deal with that sometimes with yeah, your I mean, knees. Your medical, your medical conditions. Yeah. My dysautonomia too can cause, you know, there's been times I'm like getting flogged and I'm like, I need to lay down, please. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's something you and that is yeah. something your top should know about. Yeah. And then, of course, um, probably the best uh wrap up you know the thing we always get to uh when we talk here on perverted podcast and it's very important to mention can i headbutt you in the shoulders while i give you fisty dick sandwich because i can't hold floggers with both my hands up your ass hold them in your mouth boogie geez learn to multitask geez I've hurt my neck if I tried to flog uh, while giving someone a fisty dick sandwich. Yes. You also forgot to mention one of the important things about after that flogging scene about aftercare. What kind of aftercare do you need after a scene? And even the top, you know, is there anything that the bottom needs to do for you to kind of, you know, can I check in with you in a couple of days to see how you're doing? Kind of. No, thing? no, no fisty dick sandwich. 
Well, if they're up for a fisty dick sandwich, absolutely. I mean, I'm not that much of a woman. <laughs> the head, the head, the head butt and the shoulders is an aftercare. No, it's not, Boogie. I think you haven't played in a while. <laughs> I'm glad we made a list. Yes. Because I don't think Mew's going to be into fisty dick sandwich either. Oh, but she loves good anal. I mean, if there's, if there's no blood, that's not good anal. I mean, well, we're going to see. We're going to see because the last time. She got a she got a UTI. She better start taking those manos pills. So you know the manos, yeah. Manos, she's gotta yeah. she's gotta start huffing them the manos by the day. <laughs> well, that was a good little that was a good little some fucking advice to get us warmed back up. If you have questions that you want us to uh, go over, please uh, email us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Bakura, and hopefully we'll get a report that you're flogging scene, which I'm pretty sure it's gonna go good because he's good at this stuff. Uh, hope your scene goes very well. Pinky news is sometimes cool and sometimes fucked up. Let's glory hold the planet right now with Enigma. Yeah! Enigma was a little too tall. Could have used a few pounds. Ah. Tight pants points. Hardly an app. Do you have tight pants, Enigma? I am not much of a tight pants person. I will say that I do own tights because as a kilt wearer, Sometimes it's a little too cold to just exist in a kilt, but uh, that's about as uh, tight pants as I go. I am not a skinny jeans type of guy. Well, that's good to know. Uh, do you, when you have the tights, do you have that bulge thing that some of the like Robin Hood characters wear? No, my bulge is all natural. <laughs> Why I felt the need to ask. I was asking it for the perverted podcast listeners. Hello, Enigma. How the fuck are you doing? I am doing the fuck okay. I am on a bit of a vacation. I am down in the a great state of Tejas. Uh, I came down for some early holiday stuff. Um, and so I've been taking... It took about a week to be with family. And now I'm just kind of a week of... Uh, exploring my hometown and eating all of the good food that I can, seeing all the people. I did a very fun river photo shoot today. Um, it's it's been a good little trip. Oh, like a naked river photo shoot, or just you know, here's family with apples. Uh, no family, although there was a small family shooting nearby, and we had to avoid them a little bit. But yes, it was actually a naked photo shoot. Um, she was dressed in this nice little uh, red uh, unitard tight thing. And uh, she got in the water, which was very cold, and it was very entertaining. Uh, but yeah, she had a we did a nude shoot that'll be up on my stuff whenever I can get around to editing it. But it was definitely a very very fun little shoot. That sounds like a lot of fun. Unfortunately, you didn't use me as the long distance lighting director. <laughs> I received no photos today whilst at the uh, library. I just want you to know that this partnership of ours is in danger. I, I apologize, Boogie. Uh, next time I have a naked shoot, I will be sure to uh, send you some some pictures of, my, of, of me. I mean, I mean, the, the model, the model. Not of me. Not of you. I know. I, not of you. No. Yeah. So uh, so let's get to the real business here. I mean, we got a couple of cool things to talk about, but the real business was last week, you pretty much doing your entire segment with like one foot out of the podcast <laughs> because yes. you had said a vaginal possessing vixen 
coming to your abode. I'd like to know how that worked out, and don't think I forgot about that. I, I did not forget, Boogie. I, I did not forget. No, it was it was a very good time. It was the uh, the person that I've been playing with and kind of like growing with for the last uh, few weeks. Um, had a very nice time. This is the same person that had that has a. I think I talked about them that has the lip, lip piercing. So they're they're still that's still healing, and so we can't do too much intense stuff. But it is it is incredibly delightful to tease them with like fingers around the mouth, and like like they, they can open their mouth, so I can like I can put my finger in their mouth, but they can't really suck it. It's just a very mean, cruel tease, and I'm 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 very much enjoying that. Sounds very good. I'm glad you had some fun together and some teasy time and some goodness. We got a couple uh, a couple interesting things that you had uh, sent to me. And uh, I would like to just go ahead and dig into those. All right, then let's dig into it. Our first article comes from the dailyaztec.com, and it is entitled Planned Parenthood Generation Action Hosts Sex Among Us Panel. In San Diego, a webinar was held where students could ask sexologists any sex question they wanted. Over 300 students asked more than 400 questions over the course of a few hours. As we discuss here often, a lot of the questions just came down to communication. I am pro use your mouth, Dr. Shamra Howard said. It's all about communication to get all of your needs met and to get your partner to understand what your sexual desires, fantasies, and needs are. The event was inspired to give a safe space for students of all types, for people to explore their curiosities in a way usually stigmatized in, in regular educational environments. Uh, both sexologists involved in the talk encourage students to talk about sexual topics with their doctors and, if able, find a certified sexologist in their area who can help them as their needs evolve in a more specialized way. This was all put on by the Planned Parenthood Generation Action in San Diego, and you can find them on Instagram to stay updated for all their next Now, sessions. this is fun. I, I, of course, love hearing any movement in sex-positive education. And, of course, you would expect some of those things from Planned Parenthood. And it is exciting to see more and more sources open up like this webinar. And, of course, all of the channels online, the podcasts that are coming up. Um, Still not getting a lot of action in the schools. Still still lacking at the the one place you would kind of hope that they could at least start being prepared for seeking out a uh, better sex education. And it's kind of that frustration to where like, I, I read this article and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's really positive, but it's not it's still where it really needs to be, which is a stronger environment of that at home and a stronger environment of that in our education system. So, um, cause like you and I talk about this kind of stuff all the time where it's just, it's like talking to the wind almost. I can't change the bigger picture, but I can change myself and we can maybe talk about some ways that we can be better sources of information, not just for, for our friends and peers, but you know, most of us have family members. Most of us, uh, a lot of us have kids. Uh, a lot of us have younger family members, nieces and nephews, cousins, stuff like that. And how could we be better sources of information that would encourage our our younger audi- our younger family members or whatever to feel they could talk to us? Right. I 
I, 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 that's definitely something that that can happen, and I think that can. Uh, I, I mean, as as an uncle, like I I feel that like I I feel way more comfortable being the person that that my uh, my nephews once they're old enough can come to and talk to because it's it's something that like obviously I'm way more comfortable with it, and I think that that can be something that maybe siblings can have with their other siblings who have kids and be like. I know this is an awkward conversation. This is something that I am comfortable with. If this gets to a point in your relationship with your kids that maybe you maybe they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents, maybe you can suggest that hey, Uncle Uncle Enigma is is like is somebody you can talk to um, <laughs> in a non creepy way. It's a complete freak. No, I know what you're talking about. I mean, my nephew now is he's in his mid to late 20s. And and the time that I had to spend with him in the times where he was around, he usually lived farther away uh, in another state. But the times that I did get a hold of him, I was able to create that environment where he did ask me some serious questions about relationship and maybe uh, a couple of questions about sex. Um, he wasn't very sexual. Uh, it seemed as a teenager, so he wasn't super curious, but he was surely curious about relationships and how to talk to girls and stuff like that. And there were some things that I I did that I would suggest maybe we could talk about some of those tips. Um, the first thing is when people know that you're a source of information, like you like information. Like just being an excited, and I'm talking all non-sexual stuff. You lay the groundwork with somebody, whether it's a kid or an adult, you lay the groundwork with the non-sexual topics. And then that, you know, builds you up to where they feel comfortable talking about the sexual things. So like, like say like I'm really into rhyme zone because I do a lot of writing or masterclass.com fishing channels. Like if the people around you know that you like a lot of different types of resource education and that are into that, then they kind of have a mental picture of you. Cause I was always talking to my nephew about music and, Oh, I go here and, and I learned things from this and, and it became, you know, I created it. I showed in myself that I was a student and I wanted information. So he felt he could talk to me more about things when it came time to ask questions. Does that make sense? Like I was a source. Yes, that makes perfect sense. That's definitely something I want to be for my nephews once they get to that age. But I, I, I also think about like my my own little holdups. Like I, I brought my kilt with me to on the trip, but I felt like I couldn't. I didn't want to wear it around my kids because I didn't know if my my sister and her brother in law had had that conversation yet. Being like, you know, sometimes men can wear skirts, and I didn't. I didn't know if that needed if that was a conversation I necessarily wanted to make them have, but also. It's it's getting past those those holdups. Like I, I I could have worn it and it probably would have been fine, uh, but I think a lot of people have that have a, have a lot of those hangups that come from the programming that we've talked about on the show many times. Of like, okay, maybe maybe you should stay out of that parenting because um, I've I've definitely run into that before. Not with not with my sister. But in like other other relationships, like other parts of my family, someone trying to uh, quote unquote parent someone else's kids, and they're just like trying to give them suggestions. So I think when you're you're approaching that, like you had that relationship with your nephew, and that and that worked out pretty well. But like 
don't just assume that you can be that a source like you need to like like i said before like work with those uh work with your 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 family member work with those those parents and work with them to be um be an official source you don't want to be like the creepy uncle that like be like hey i went over to uncle enigma's house and he showed me this sex book you, you don't want to be that kind of <laughs> source no you do not you absolutely do not <laughs> i mean if you do then you need to seek some help um but that's yeah. yeah you you may have some other issues uh and even if it's an innocent mistake because like back in the day you know, your uncle would say inappropriate, like my uncle would be like, uh, titties or, you know, whatever. My dad threw me his old playboys and I was like fucking eight, you know, I was like eight, and nine years old. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I, as a kid, my my dad, um, I, for, I think this was like middle school. My dad's when, when they realized that I was starting to experiment and explore and, and like, you know, things were happening. My 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 dad's philosophy was to get us a shared subscription to Playboy, <laughs> meaning he would get it first and then I would get it. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. We didn't have a, a name for it, but yeah, I pretty much got his old Playboy. Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, yeah, it was a little, it was a little, it was a little creepy. Yeah, was, well, you know, <laughs> look at look at me now. Look at you now. Right. And they yeah, didn't obviously maybe not appropriate for everyone, but you know, sometimes it works out. <laughs> but here's here's a, a, the next point that I want to make. That's really really important. And once again, this is just in dealing with the non-sexual things. If you reward uh somebody's questions to you, whether you think they're stupid or not, and this is a big deal with adults and kids, it's like, because, you know, sometimes kids ask questions and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? What the fuck did you eat for breakfast? You are the dumbest fucking person in the world. If you don't reward that curiosity, and it doesn't mean you have to bend over backwards and kiss their ass. Oh, my God, you asked a question. But if you don't act supportive in the the non-sexual questions to the people that you're talking to. What makes you think they're ever going to feel comfortable enough to approach you with an extremely awkward sexual question? Right. It's laying that groundwork of support and curiosity. Like, oh, that's interesting. You have that question about, you know, rocks or Star Wars or whatever. Let's go find some information. If you show them that you want to take the lead on topics that they're curious about and explore those and how do we find out answers for that and you can build a relationship with people and i do this with my partners and we talked about this previous i think maybe even last week where it's showing that interest in the things that your partners are interested in really builds that that connection that they feel more open in talking to you if you want to be that source if maybe you are uncomfortable sending uh, sending your kid or your nephew or whoever this child is to someone like Lindsay Doe. Like, you can go watch those. Educate yourself. Um, you don't have to be a sexologist, but you can be there. Like, it, it, you can be that person where you know where to go to find the answer if maybe the, the person doesn't feel comfortable going there. So watching Sexplanations, watching... There are, there are a bunch of good sex sexologists on YouTube, on the internet, like like... Go learn what what the what the educators are teaching, and at least have some sort of passing knowledge um, 
so that you that so that you can be that person. That's that's definitely something that a a quote unquote like layman can do to uh, be ready to be that resource for sure. My last point that I wanted to say in regards to any relationship, whether it's young people or your peers, older, anyone, is when, and we talk about this on the show a lot, when you are open yourself and you show a little bit of your tactful vulnerability and you show that you're willing to talk about some awkward things about yourself... That absolutely, I have a thousand instances in my life over the course of my life that I know that when I talk openly about my life and things that are maybe a little vulnerable for me, that opens the door for somebody to feel comfortable enough to ask me things that maybe are vulnerable and awkward for them. Yeah, that shared vulnerability definitely helps people open up a little bit more for sure. Good stuff. Our our next topic comes from theguardian.com. It is entitled The Great Sperm Heist. They were playing with people's lives. <laughs> um, and as always, uh, our articles can be found on our FetLife group or they can be found on our Discord server. So this is a pretty long article for those going to look it up with lots of testimonials from uh, victims of these doctors. So if you'd like to read uh, for yourself, you can find it on our FetLife page or Discord, like I just said. Um, so Catherine Simpson knew she was on her, she was her parents' child until her father's death when a fight over the will brought out the news that she was the product of sperm donors. This pushed Catherine to start investigating. Quickly, she learned that the whole fertility market was just chocked full of scams from doctors using their own sperm to to impregnate needy mothers to taking the sperm from men needing fertility treatment and using their sperm for another mother. Uh, Due to the stigma of people needing fertility treatment, for decades, there was little to no regulation on how fertility treatments worked. And now in the age of things like 23andMe and other uh, genealogy based testing, a lot of dads are about to be discovered. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. But I'm sorry. It it was just <laughs> it was just funny. No, no, Boogie. It's I I have to give you one to make you laugh. Because <laughs> I know the reason I feel qualified to laugh over something like this is I was adopted. I have no idea mm-hmm. where I came from and I have no desire. And I am like yeah. so many like, would you? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a very funny, sad, sad, brutal. And of course, very dishonest <laughs> and non-consensual and blah, 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 blah. But uh, I was never affected by needing to know. I don't know why. I Maybe because my childhood right. was shitty or I was nuts. But I never, like, I kind of always knew that no matter what the odds were, that the family, my biological family out there was going to be some sort of disappointment more so than the fantasies I had in my head about my actual biological origins. Like when I was a kid, I I talked about this on the show. I fantasized that I was maybe Brian May, the lead guitarist of Queen, 
that he was my real dad when I was like nine, ten years old, and I was totally into Queen and News of the World. We will rock you, and uh, and I used to fantasize that he was my dad, and I'm pretty sure he's not because you know he's in England. And, you know, but it could have been, you know, you know, maybe banged a lot of groupies around the world. You never know. I could could be. But then he's really smart. Like he's an astrophysicist. And besides being the lead guitar player of Korean, he's gone on to write books about black holes and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of an idiot. So I don't think I have his genes. But, uh, you know, I just never, you know. I never really cared. I never looked. I mean, I looked once because I thought I was going to get you know married and have kids. That's a long time ago. Um, but other than that, it's just when people spend so many years of their life searching for those answers, it just it's ironic to go. Maybe you're going to find out something you wish you hadn't. Right. And a, a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, is adopted as well, and and she's kind of on the other end of the spectrum where. She, when when she found out that she was adopted, like she went and looked, um, and it, she found out that she was a whole different ethnicity than she thought, um, just, just based on like where how she was raised and where she was raised, just like she thought she was one thing, and then she did the actual research and she found I forget which one it is, but she found that she's Middle Eastern. She thought she was Hispanic, and 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 this sort of um, this article gets into a lot of things, a lot of uh, medical things that happened over the last hundred years, specifically in the U S but this was, uh, this was the article took place all over the world. So a lot of doctors were uh, saying, why am I going to pay this guy a hundred bucks, this stallion sports hero guy, when I could just uh, jerk off into the cup myself and then have, uh, then take the money. So a lot of that, a lot of that happened. So, I mean, you know, you got, I, I don't have doctor genes uh, in me. I mean, it's sick, you know, because you're, you're talking about, you know, one guy fathering like, you know, a hundred kids and it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a power play. It, it's, it's, it's an, like, I, I think they even talk about it on the article, like at its, at its core, it's, it's a little, it's very much related to rape. Like that he, he wanted power. He wanted to control this this situation, and he did, and and he did it to who knows how many people. Like that, and and this what's what's even more terrifying about a, a lot of these stories is like it, they're not like that long ago. They're only like maybe a few years ago. Yeah, of course, it's still happening. I mean, yeah. it, you know, no matter what, it's still happening. You 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 can't. I, and I don't want to start a thing that makes us distrust doctors more because that's a that's a pretty significant issue that's happening in our culture as people have finally woken up to say, hey, not all doctors are are great. Right. You know, not all. You know, we found it out with all these other things. But, yeah, doctors are, are flawed, too. And we're seeing a lot of that. So I don't want to I don't want to create more distrust about doctors, but. It is a reality that um, that when you try to save money and even sometimes when you go to the bigger places, but usually when you go to the more reputable places, like if you go to Earl's fucking artificial insemination, you know, and he's got <laughs> pictures, of, you know, he's got like a hubcap statue in the front of his door with, you know, holding a giant, you know, turkey baster. I'm pretty sure that you, you're in danger 
of maybe not getting the best sperm, you know, for yourself. I have a, I have a slight story. It's not of Earl's insemination emporium, but um, I actually had uh, a, a lesbian cu- couple friend of mine who were wanting to get pregnant, and instead of doing the expensive artificial insemination route, uh, they were asking just male friends if they would come over let one of them jerk them off into a cup and then basically turkey baster the cum into yeah um uh, into the into the the partner that wanted to have the kids and they asked me right because i was i'm a i'm a close friend of theirs and i <laughs> i don't think i ever responded <laughs> i was like let me like i wasn't in like it was I, I wasn't in the in town at the time i was just like give me give me time to think about that and i'm like i don't no, like, because they were, they were gonna have, they, they like had a legal document uh, worked up, so like I would sign it, and I would have no legal repercussions of not taking yeah. care of the kid. It would all be in their hands, and it was just like, Ugh. I don't think I want to have a kid. Like I, for me, because I'm, I'm still in the headspace where I want kids someday, and I'm, I would still want to be involved in that kid's life, and like I wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to. Um, so like. There are people trying, like the the fact that this this doctor and several doctors in the article uh, were doing this to people who were trying to do it in the right way, and but also you have people on the other end of the spectrum who can't afford to do it that way. You're making that that whole market to look even worse. It's like you're you're talking about people who just like shit on every doctor. I'm not shitting on every artificial insemination method or clinic, but like by by doing this, you're making it harder. For other people to to make that decision and have that family that they want, I think it's good to talk about like for people uh, looking at this, looking into this sort of thing. Like you know, do your Google the doctor a little bit. Do your research. Um, don't just go with the like like we're talking about. Like don't just don't go with the cheaper option. And I think in this case, uh, you wanna you wanna make sure you're you're going the right way and. I think that'll work out better for you. Enigma, if people want to send that mail, uh, where would they send that to? Well, they can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Perverted Podcast. We're on Twitter at Perverted PCast. We're even on TikTok. Look at look us up under Perverted Podcast. And you can also find us on FetLife. We are both a group and a page. And that is the end of show 342. You survived. Congratulations. Thank you for listening. And if you have any comments, questions, words of affirmation, or hatred for us, please reach out to us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on FetLife, TikTok, or Instagram under the name Perverted Podcast. And if you think this show is amazing, is the answer to your prayers, or if we just made you giggle and snort, please consider donating five bucks if you give a fuck to our Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash pervertedpodcast. And as always, a huge thank you to all of our patrons. Your support means the world to us. Thank you so much, Fisty Dick Sandwich recipients and givers alike. I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, I could. I mean, maybe with like little hands and a medium, like baby. (laughs) (laughs) Come on! Hey, it was in Deadpool. Okay, where he had the little hand after his hand regenerated. Inappropriate. Do not include baby hands in the fisty dick sandwich. I'm sorry. We just need a.
bigger stretch. To, you know, some of those porn star asses. Oh my some god! Of the, yes. Some of the ones you see on Fet that uh, you're like that. You could take a fisty dick sandwich. Yeah. Like with girl hands, maybe around yeah. a strap on or something like that. Or I've even seen some of the porns that I watch where they do triple anal. It's like, whoo, you are more women than I am. Triple <laughs> anal? Triple anal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, There's some girls, Adri- I think in one of them is Adriana Chechnik. That's like one of her favorites where she does three guys in her ass. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And, ooh, yeah, you're definitely more woman than I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's really any. I've seen double anal. Mm-hmm. And two down, I'm like, hey, that's that's just that's just dicks touching. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta you gotta like that. I'm like, I don't even want to be in the same room with another dude. I am so not. Let alone the same orifice with one. Let alone the same. I was like, come on, can't we paper rock scissors for this? Like, does it have to? I gotta get in. I gotta. No, it's my turn. It's my turn. Oh, it's in. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> now we're both here. Well, you can Eiffel Tower, Eiffel Tower and high five over the girl. You can't Eiffel Tower <laughs> when you and your bro's dick are rubbing against each other in one oh, asshole. Great. Now who's going to go? Uh, all right, so no triple anal for you. Got it. No, but thank you so much to Headley, our glorious so sponsor. Our, our glorious so sponsor? <laughs> My God, Headley, he's so sponsor. Sponsor. Oink, oink. He's so sponsor. Our little piggy. We love our little piggy. All right, this is just divulged. Devolved? Devolved. This is Words just are hard. De- this is just devolved <laughs> into pure Satanism. Which is which is glorious. I guess we're gonna see you guys next week for show three forty three, and it will be equally as magical. Goodbye.